Long, way outside for the three. He's got it. He's got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, I had the best birthday yesterday um, watching oh. these games. Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, it was my birthday. You didn't know it was my birthday? What kind I of actually, co-host actually, are you? Actually, didn't know it was my birthday. This is ridiculous. Um, but yes, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it was a great birthday, man. These two games, I'm a very, I don't need much on a birthday. I went and got some good food mm-hmm. and I sat down and watched these games, which were the, the staggering of these games was ridiculous. Like just all four of them. Yeah, but I'll, I'll save my rant. But I'm over here having to watch Texas Tech on the TV and Houston on the computer. You said we we're going to start with Houston. Yeah, so I, I'd say we, we have an apology to make because all year when Marcus Sasser and, and when Tremont Mark went out, we were like, oh, this is going to be a good team. You know, oh, yeah, you know, they're going to be fine. They're going to roll through the AC. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 we said multiple times, like, oh, I don't know how to take, you know, their record in conference. What did they finish in cut? Uh, 15 and three. Yeah, there you go. And, but we were like, okay, so that's a good record in conference, you know, uh, but the AC is not that deep. You know, there's only three, really three teams, um, really two, two made the tournament, of course. And so we're like, ah, and then even when they made the tournament, you know, they went, they win the, they win the conference and it's like, okay, cool. And we're like, yeah, maybe Sweet 16, right? It's like, eventually, we kept saying, not having Marcus Sasser, not having Tremont Mark would catch up to them, right? They don't have a go-to, they don't have that go-to guy. And they just waxed the number one seed, Arizona, uh, and they're in the Elite Eight. So big apologies, because we admittedly did not believe, (laughs) did not believe this team had the firepower did not believe this team had the 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 star power to to get it done, and I, I'm gonna stop putting a ceiling on this team because they're right now this is just a machine. You saw last night, you saw Jamal Shedd just like absolutely being a floor general that I was hoping he could be this year, but I didn't expect him to be because uh, you know Tremont Mark was supposed to be the guy, um, and I thought Kyler Edwards coming in from from Tech would be kind of the the de facto guy. Uh, you know, in, in their absence and the breakout guy has been Jamal shed. Like he's, he's the way he's commanded. The floor has been insane. When Houston did slip up a little bit in the late, in, in late second half, it was because Jamal shed was turning the ball over. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was the only reason like Houston had or uh, Arizona had those, uh, those little turnovers when they activated the press and a lot of that, that whole game went through Jamal shed. Like I, I Kyler, you know, he finished with a game high 21 points, six assists, and I mentioned those turnovers late. He finished with five. And so, yeah, I don't know. He's been the breakout star. This is like a, a personal, uh, really cool to me, for me to see personally, too, coming from, you know, he's from Maynard, Texas. So, like, that's my hometown. So, like, 
seeing somebody like that do it on the big stage, especially because the last time he was in San Antonio, Maynard lost that uh, semifinal to, to Mansfield Timberview. And so seeing him get that redemption chance on the biggest stage is just insane. And it sends Houston to another elite eight. Yeah. I mean, I have so many, I have so many thoughts at this point. Cause yeah. so starting with the basics, Houston beats Arizona 72 to 60. And it was a game they controlled basically. Yeah. I mean, there was very little doubt throughout the game that Houston was in control. Like we always were like waiting on Arizona to make a run, mm-hmm. but they never did. And it's Houston was just, just dominate. They just dominated the game against what a lot of people thought was the best team in the country. You know, mm-hmm. Gonzaga, Arizona, one and two, one, a one B best right. teams in the country, Houston, like you said, without Sasser, without Mark, we said multiple times, probably sweet 16 ceiling. We said, you know, what they just, they they were 0 and four in quad one games before beating Memphis in their tournament. Yeah. So we had some like reasons to be, to have some, you know, trepidation. The thought so. The committee gave him a five seed. Yeah. The committee like, gave what him other, a five. like, like what other team can go, you know, um, 30, I mean, 32 and five, five. Yeah. 32 and five coming off of a final throw in last year and get a five seed, you know, like the committee was like, yeah, it's great, but you know, eh. <laughs> yeah. And then all the Ken Palm, all the net rankings and everything, they were top five in all of them. And, so we, we knew this team was good, but we just kept saying that their ceiling wasn't as high. Mm-hmm. And it felt like an obvious statement. You lose Marcus Sasser, you lose Tremont Mark. There's no way that this team continues to uphold that standard that they built last year and that they built in the non-conference season. Yeah. Um, and like we said, the ratings were going to stay the same because they were beating American conference teams just you know with ease. Mm-hmm. And every time they played a really good team, they kind of struggled. So we didn't know what this team ceiling was without Sasser and Mark. And they get into the tournament. And I really think that went over Memphis to end the to in the conference championship. Mm-hmm. Did a ton for their confidence because it's kind of like getting over that mountaintop to where you know Memphis had beaten them twice. And physically, Memphis can match up with them, right? That's the whole thing about Memphis is their front court, Jalen Duran, um, and their other four that I'm forgetting his name, can really bang with them on the inside. Mm-hmm. They got over that hill, and then they went and played UAB, who's a physical team, and beat them up. They, beat, they played Kofi Coburn in Illinois, beat them up. And then going against Arizona, perhaps the most talented team in the country, they just beat them up. Like just straight beat them up. Like I, I can't believe that their culture won this game, that their style, yeah. that their identity won this game. Because on paper, Benedict Mathurin, uh, Coloco, Kirk Creesa, I mean, you go down the list of Dale and Terry, this Arizona team is stacked, mm-hmm. just stacked. And it didn't matter. Like it just – like I'm, I'm watching Juwan Roberts come in here, and Reggie Chaney come in here, and Ramon Walker come in here off the bench, and Josh Carlton at the five, just dominate the game, and it felt like everybody. It didn't matter who was on the court, they were dominating the game, and that's kind of a microcosm of what this season was. Is it didn't matter who was on the court, they were dominating the game, and I, I mean, like you said, we got to apologize at this point for doubting 
Kelvin Sampson. We have to apologize for doubting, I guess, this entire team because I don't, I can't even apologize to one guy because we didn't call out one guy. We right. were just like, just like, oh, they lost two guys. Like, that's you, you of- lost your two best players, arguably. Right. <laughs> There's no way you can make an elite eight and beat Arizona. Like, it's not like they of Arizona lost to TCU and they beat TCU. Like, no, right. they beat Arizona to get here. And that was the whole thing last year is they had an easier road. This year, they did not have an easier road. They had UAB, Illinois, Arizona. Now they're in the Elite Eight against Villanova. And win or lose, this season has been just overwhelming success. They said it on the uh, postgame show. I don't know if it was Seth Davis or who it was, but they said this is more impressive than the Final Four run last year. And I completely, completely agree. Like, this is an unbelievable run and Kelvin Sampson I was on my soapbox for Kelvin Sampson winning coach of the year like when they had won like 10 or 11 in a row mm-hmm. and then I admittedly I, I silenced myself a little bit after the SMU and Memphis losses I was like okay maybe they're, maybe they're finally coming back down to earth mm-hmm. and so I can't take credit for this but who in the country is doing a has done a better job this year than Kelvin Sampson I mean yeah. just an unbelievable year from Houston I'll I'll stop ranting but golly no i mean like i i i agree on everything like and the i guess the 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 funniest part to me is like they didn't win this with like like they played incredible defense like that was that was that was the biggest thing um and they of course they hit shots on offense but they didn't win it by like offensively with what we're used to seeing they lost the offensive rebounding battle like i want to say it was 16 to 12 like they lost that rebounding battle, but they were just hitting shots. Yes. Right. We always joke how Houston's offense is throw something off the backboard and get the offensive rebound. Um, but no, they were actually like getting inside, hitting threes, like hitting tough shots in the lane. And then on the other end, they were just making Arizona's life hell. Yep. Like uh, I saw so many people on Twitter saying like, or I think, I think Tommy Lloyd after the game, somebody asked Tommy Lloyd uh, what it was like to, was Houston what you expected? And he was, he kind of like smirked it off and it was like, like, you know, of course they were what we expected, you know? But I think somebody made the point where it was like, I think it's different studying this team on film than playing against them, right? Like you can look at Houston and say, oh, okay, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. And that's, we just got to be prepared for that. It's a difference. There's a difference when you're doing it in shoot around or whatever versus the scout team versus actually playing against Jamal Shedd, right? When you're actually playing against uh, uh, Taze Moore. And like every, I don't know, every ball screen or every passing lane was just like completely flooded, right? Everything, every screen was fought over. Every, like, it just looked like Arizona had arms in their face, like legitimately every single shot they took. Go look at the shots that Matherin did make because I think he still finished with like, 15, 15 or yeah, 15 15. On 4 or 14. Everything has like a hand in his face. Like there's no, he had no open looks um, compared to, especially when he compared to what he had against TCU, who also played good defense, but he, there were mm-hmm. some open looks he had. Um, and he had to like, there were some shots where he was like, he had to jack like a deep three. Like it was like, this is the only shot I'm going to get. And so like, I'm going to basically almost take a logo shot. Um, yeah. I don't know. This was just like, a masterclass of like Kelvin Sampson because he, yeah, I don't know. I I agree. This is way more impressive because last year there was that little caveat of like, okay, they're, they're getting to the final four, which is an incredible accomplishment, but like, you know, they, they were, they were beating Loyola uh, Chicago and you know, there were, there were upsets along the way that made their path easier. And it was almost like this year was going to be 
the year where it was like, all right, here's the, here's the, the double-edged sword, right? You, you, you get, a, uh, you're, you're, people are underestimating you, but now you actually got to go beat every good team. Right. Cause I think they had, sorry, it wasn't Loyola Chicago. It was Oregon state, Syracuse and Rutgers. Well, Loyola um, was in their, their region. Too. In their region. I think they lost to um, Oregon state. Oregon they lost state, to Oregon yeah. state. Yeah. And so, but yeah, so it was like, you know, <laughs> they were like, all right, well, here, here's your chance to make everything back. Yeah. Um, and then even let's not forget they played UAB right off the back. UAB was like, won Conference USA and like I picked really UAB. Great. I picked UAB to win that game. Like this is I just <laughs> like UAB, they finished the conference really well and they were playing really good. So it was like they they've had no days off in this tournament. And they've played like a team who again, these aren't like this isn't this isn't a group of guys that are that were used to playing with each other in huge minutes at the beginning of the year. Again, Jamal Shedd barely played like what, 10 minutes last year. Um, you know, they bring in Kyler Edwards. Like it wasn't a group of guys that is like the most cohesive. And they look like a team that's like a fully fledged machine now. And it's, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Ramon, for Ramon Walker to play 27 minutes this game. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm, I, th- I think Ramon Walker is their worst rotation player. I mean, he's a freshman. I mean, you know, you bring Joan Roberts, Reggie Cheney off the bench. Um, mm. Like those are two guys that I am very impressed with. And Ramon Walker, while he's obviously not bad, but for him to play 27 minutes and uh, Taze Moore to play 17 minutes uh, with, with foul trouble, I mean, I feel like that kind of tells the story. Again, it doesn't matter who's on the court for this team. Yeah. whether it's Taze Moore or Ramon, or Ramon Walker, like they just play the same the whole time. But I do want to credit Taze Moore and Fabian White to me this year mm. ha- have been so incredible with how they've played on both ends. And y- y- again, you don't expect it because if you look at the numbers of Taze Moore before Marcus Sassford went out and Tremont Mark went out, he was just a regular rotation guy. You know, just a guy that they can bring in off the bench and play here and there for spot minutes. And Taze Moore can can do some things. But when those two went out, he was thrown into the starting lineup. And even the regular season, he was he was good, but he wasn't like this standout player where you're like, oh, this is the guy we have to watch out for in the tournament. And now it feels like through three games, Taze Moore is just everywhere in the minutes he played. He obviously, like I said, only played 17 minutes, but in the minutes he played, he's just everywhere. On both ends, impact. getting to the rim, blocking shots. I mean, the, the, the dude has brought – and this is what I wanted to get to here is Kelvin Sampson's teams, again, they they look similar, right? Last year's team to this year's team. You have Justin Gorham last year. Um, you have athletes in the front court that just – every time there was a shot, remember I always bring up the thing, like their head's at the rim going to get a rebound. Like they're just yeah. all right there. This year, like Taze Moore has bounce like that. Fabian White has bounce like that. Um, Carlton doesn't have bounce like that, but he's seven feet tall and just wide, and he can bang with Coloco on the inside. And, and then you would bring Roberts and Chaney off the bench who also do that. And the culture and the identity that they have to just out-athlete you, out-tough you, out-physical you, and take your will is unreal. And I, I don't think I'm doing – like, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here when I say this Houston program is one of the most impressive in the, in the entire country. Like, we talk about Baylor a lot. We now have to put Houston right there with them for what they've done the last three years. So um, there's not enough there's not enough flowers to be given to this team. There's not enough 
nice words to be said because again, win or lose against Villanova, I I I mean, this has just been an unreal season for for that for Kelvin Sampson and company. So credit to them. Uh, do you want to preview the Villanova game a little bit right now? Uh, sure. Yeah, I saw a little bit of the Villanova Michigan game. I mean, I saw <clears throat> I saw very little of it because it was at the on the same on at the same time as Arkansas Gonzaga for oh, some true. reason. Yeah. So I watched that's very little, but I've seen a ton of Villanova this year because I really really like Villanova. Yeah. So these are two of my favorite teams. I'd say maybe my probably my two favorite teams left in the tournament going against each other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of. Well, I'm, I'm rooting for Houston, obviously, but uh, Villanova is favored by two going into it. Obviously, the game's in San Antonio, so Houston will once again have home court advantage uh, against Villanova. And so I, I'm worried on one front. I'm worried about Villanova handling their defense a little bit better than, mm-hmm. than, our, than Arizona did. But on the other side, Villanova really only plays six guys. True. Not deep. Houston, I think, might be able to wear them down a bit. Now, I don't know. Villanova's done a good job against size. Like, they did a good job against Michigan. Uh, Let me check the offensive rebounds. Uh, They've done a good job typically against um, bigger teams. Like, they don't get Mm -hmm. punked, per se. Uh, They did allow 14 offensive rebounds against Michigan, so that'll be something to watch. But typically, they're just so solid and execute so well that they're able to, you know, beat teams that might have more talent and more depth. But Houston, like we've talked about, Houston might just be a different animal at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I think one of the things I want to watch out for in this one is I wonder, I wonder about foul trouble because Villanova is an excellent free throw shooting team. Yes. Um, I believe they're number one in the country. (laughs) at 80, over 80% as a team, which is stupid. Um, Obviously, you know, they don't, that's not their primary way of scoring. They are still a Jay Wright Villanova team, so they do rely on the outside shot more. Um, But I do wonder about that because, of course, Houston will try to make them a driving team. And if they do get inside, like, you know, what could happen? Do they, does Houston stay disciplined? Do they commit? you know, or do they uh, foul? You know, that's kind of one of the X factors I'm looking at in this one. I also wonder if Villanova maybe – I wonder – I think the home crowd did affect Arizona a little bit. And I say home crowd, you know, quote-unquote. It's obviously supposed to be neutral, but it's, you know, two hours up the road from, from where Houston was. Um, I do wonder if Villanova's a little bit more ready for this as a, you know, as a, as a program. Way of, more veterans. You know, yeah, a lot of veterans. And, like, Arizona, you know, like, Arizona's always been a obviously a power, but, like, you know, they've always, you know, before Tommy Lloyd got there, they were always notorious for kind of choking in those in those big moments um, when when John Miller was there. And so Villanova as a program is just kind of used to being in these crazy environments. And so I wonder. And also the other thing is. Houston, it was very clear that when Houston made their early run and then kind of maintained that for most of the first half, it was kind of clear that like Arizona kind of had nothing unless Matherin came up with something Villanova is a team that I think could weather a 10 0 run. Right. And then hit back with like a 12 0 run or something. Um, you know, they have guys like Colin Gillespie, who's just, who's just came back and he's playing out of his mind. Um, they have guys like Justin Moore, Jermaine Samuels, all those guys. Like I do wonder um, 
how they handle when Houston goes on those runs where they, you know, they hold, they hold Villanova scoreless or whatever for a couple of minutes. And, you know, the, they're kind of hustling down the floor. Um, and also, I mean, the coaching matchups can be incredible. Like I want to see how Jay Wright prepares for Kelvin Sampson and vice versa. I want to see how Kelvin Sampson deals with Jay Wright. Um, because I think the thing I like about the most, I like about Villanova is that they'll gladly take shots that Houston gives them. Like, like you, like I mentioned with Matherin, how it was like, he, he almost needed to jack like deep threes. Cause he needed to, you know, he needed to get a shot off. Villanova yeah. will take that. Like they'll just, that, like they'll, they'll generate something to where like, Ooh, that's kind of a weird three. Oh, okay. They took it. Like they'll, mm-hmm. they'll take whatever you give them if they think it's an open shot. Cause Jay Wright kind of has that green light for his shot makers and he, they kind of have that confidence in them and their whole offense is generated around s- driving kicks slash, you know, generating something on the perimeter. And yeah. so I wonder, I'm, I'm like, like you, I'm very excited to see what this is kind of one of the last big chess matches I think in this tournament. I, I think I'm convincing myself more about Houston just as I think about the matchup. Um, Villanova is pretty like they, all five guys on the court can make a play for Villanova. Like, right. yes, but they do rely on Colin Gillespie to mm-hmm. a pretty significant degree. If Houston and Jamal shed and whoever else they, they put on him, if they can really bother Colin Gillespie, which is not going to be easy, but they did it to, to Mathurin and sure. they've done it to good players this entire season. If they can really bother Gillespie, I think they hold them to 63, 64, 65 points. Mm-hmm. And that'll give them a chance. Um, it'll be a slower game. We know that much. I mean, these are two, I think both rank below three. Definitely both are below 300 in terms of a uh, tempo and Kempom, but right. So neither team's going to be uncomfortable where Villanova was or I'm sorry, Arizona was clearly uncomfortable with the pace of the game, with just everything Houston was doing. Villanova will not be uncomfortable, but Houston defensively could take, could make Gillespie's life hard. And that would be a huge deal because nobody, nobody's been able to make Gillespie's life hard. I mean, watching Ohio state and a little bit of the mission game and the big, the big East. I mean, Gillespie's mm-hmm. just, oh, he's really, really good. So yeah, that will be my X factor. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm like you, this is my most anticipated matchup of the elite eight, you know, pending what happens later, even pending what happens later today and the rest of the sweet 16 games. Um, this is going to be, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't wait to see this. Cause I think this might be also like the, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember who's left, but this might be the best coaching matchup we have left. I think um, we have coach K is still, is still in the bracket ish. Do you understand right, you that? So he automatically, he automatically is the best coaching matchup. All right. Uh, all right. You know what? You brought him up playing chess it. while the rest of the country's playing checkers. I don't think you understand this. All, all right. right. Nope. Nope. You're doing it. Moving on. All right. Let's move on. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's um, talk the negative Texas tech, Texas tech. You know, I, Oh man. Yeah. We have to talk about coach K. What a transition for me. I didn't even bring that up because of that. Uh, Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils end Texas Tech season. Um, for anybody who watched the game, I, I, have, a, I have a lot of takeaways here. Mm-hmm. 78 to 73 final. Tech, it was a really, really close game. Back and forth. I think Tech led with about two minutes left, two, two mm-hmm. or three minutes left. And it looked like they were going to be able to do it. I wrote this down in my notes, though. My main takeaway was, A, Duke... I think I believe they said on the broadcast put up 1.53 points per possession in the second half. Yeah. 
And that ties into with my actual point of it looks like Duke's NBA players just took over. They just made shots. Paolo Banquero was tremendous. Um, Wendell Moore was really good. Jeremy Mo- Jeremy Roach was great. AJ Jeremy Griffin Roach became their was their closer down the yeah, stretch. Like. Yeah, AJ Griffin, who's going to be a lottery pick, was awesome. Yeah. Mark Williams at this at center was awesome. It just looked like they the talent made shots, which isn't always the case for Duke. I mean, sure. you, they lost to North, they got blown up by North Carolina at home in Coach K's last game, and the talent didn't look like it was any good. But sometimes when you have that much talent. You're gonna you're gonna just have games where you make all your shots, and they made all their shots in the second half. They end the game shooting sixty percent from two. Um, they're a big team. They have a lot of talent, and I I really don't think this is an indictment on Texas Tech at all for losing this game because I think mm-hmm. they played exactly how they needed to play to win the game, except Duke just made shots. And I think Scott Drew exactly uh, said that after the game or some, said something to that effect after the game where like against Texas Tech, you you have to make shots mm-hmm. and they just made shots like, yeah. and that's what they do. They, that's what you deserve when you have this much talent. So um, credit to, to Duke for making shots, but Texas Tech played well enough to win this game. I think more than like, if they played this exact game, Texas Tech wins a lot of that. Like, at least half oh, the yeah. time they win this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they started off, like, it was, like, 12 to 4. Te- like, they yeah. – Punched looked, them in I don't the know. Mouth. It started off, like, that – I don't know if <laughs> – it was funny. I was watching, and I was like, did Duke, like, watch film on te- – because, like, they were, like – throwing up stuff in the passing lane and like no they 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 did watch film that they were just terrified they're like oh my how are we gonna score on this team and then yeah Adonis arms pick six slam it on their heads it was just it was just like coast to coast like just straight I I swear to god it was like three straight possessions of like interception like you mentioned pick six whatever laid in the bucket like it was just like wait what what, why are you making the same pass at the top of the key and they're just like text perfectly reading it so yeah like this this game started off like about as perfect as you could have hoped and yeah it's it's like almost like it feels reductive to say but that's that's what it like they duke made shots like like i remember it was 68 66 and paulo bancaro nailed a three in o'banner's face and to take the lead and that was basically like at that point it was jeremy roach show where he like he was hitting everything in the lane he was there were uh I forgot who number I'm trying to think. Was it, uh, 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 uh was it Griffin? 15. Griffin, Mark hit, Griffin hit a Duke. crazy three as well. well. Mark Williams hit like a, hit what, like he got a feed from Van Carroll and just like had a poster dunk over Santos Silva. Oh, just like, just like <laughs> wrenched it back. And you're like, Oh my God. Like you, like, you realize like it was one of those, like these bros are different. Like, yeah. 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 Marcus Santos Silva's over there. You're like, Oh, just, just get out the way. Just get out the way. Right. 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 You just, you see bang. It's like a big to big pass and you're just like, and he just wrenched is it back and destroys the rim you're like oh geez like oh this might be it and you're seeing and of course like we, we talk about tech you're you know they're not the prettiest offense to watch but they were still like you know grinding out stuff grinding out shots like bryson williams came up to play man like i tweeted out and i texted you i was like how in the war i am side-eyeing those rodney terry utep teams right now how yep. they did not sniff a conference championship when they had a dude who's a who's able to put up 21 against Duke in the Sweet 16. 
Are you kidding me? He was amazing. He was like, absolutely he amazing. He is incredible. I am so upset that he did not transfer sooner so we didn't get to see his talent on a bigger stage more because this dude is a big-time player. And when when Tech needed a bucket, they were like, we need to feed Bryson Williams. And he was and he was showing up. Either he was showing up or he was giving a, a – there was another – I think he hit uh, – I'm trying to think who he helped out. Uh, it was um, Kevin McCuller. It was like a, he gave he got the ball at the top of the key and like gave it back to Kevin McCullough for like a wide open yeah. three. And it's like, everything's flowing through this guy. Um, and then, like, you know, it, it basically came down to tech had Bryson Williams and Duke had like three players. <laughs> like um, yeah, three NBA I mean, dudes. And you're just like, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Bryson Roach, Williams- like there was one, there was a couple shots where it's just like, I don't know what you do. Cause Jeremy Roach isn't their go-to guy. Yeah. Um, and he, but he was still showed like his ability to just like, I think he had like ISO on Bryson Williams a couple of times. And it was just like, you know, dribble, dribble, ISO, step back shot. And I was like, I, I don't know what you do. You know? Yeah. Um, we joked about this off air, but Duke went to his zone in the second half and stayed in the zone <sighs> the entire half. I know we are both anti zone uh, men here. Rest, rest, rest in piss, Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> hate Syracuse. Um, but yeah, they go zone second half. And while obviously I am kind of surprised more teams hadn't done that to tech. However, Duke has the size to do it. Yeah. Right. And Texas tech, while they still put up a one Oh nine offensive rating for the game, which mm-hmm. is good enough to win you a lot of games, especially when you have the best defense in the country. Right. But it felt like it forced tech to make uncomfortable threes. And when I say uncomfortable threes, I don't even mean guarded threes, just threes right. that they that weren't threes that they wanted. It was threes that the defense wanted. And sure. what did Adonis Arms finish from three? He finished one of six from three. And the one that he did hit was late in the game, uh, basically, not a prayer, but late in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. It felt like the three-pointers that they were forced to take and make were on Duke's accord because Duke was just like, you know what? we're just going to make them make threes. And that, what do we say this entire season is Texas Tech's weakness is three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. And they end the year 32%, 253rd in the country from threes. We talked about them in conference play. They were shooting 28% from three. Uh, we were just like, is this going to be their Achilles heel? And ultimately it was. Bryson Williams goes two of three from three. I mean, Bryson Williams was the outlier in this game completely for Tech. Bryson Williams, two of three. You take away his threes, and they would go four of 16 from three. Like, that's that's going to do it. And when you – so I, I do give credit to that Duke coaching staff. I will not specify K, but the Duke coaching staff for being like, you know what, let's just go zone. Like, we, we it's, it's the lazy thing to do. It's the, you know, you, in theory, this team has enough talent to where they should be able to guard Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. But – Let's just go zone. And so they go zone. They force them into jumpers. Bryson Williams was the only one that could really make shots against it, it felt like. Um, And it worked. It worked. And, again, Texas Tech, in my opinion, still should have, could have won that game. But um, a couple shots didn't fall, and Duke ends up going on the other end and making shots. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything bad to say about Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech played again this game about as well as you can ask and they just didn't win it so it caps off a great season for them 27 and 10 and mark adams first year just i I don't think if you would have asked me before the year that this team was you know two minutes away from an elite eight 
I probably would have said, I think that's tough. I don't think that they could have done it. And yep. now here we are with this team putting up a really, really strong run. So credit to Texas Tech. 100%. No, I agree. Like, um, as much as I would have loved to have seen Mark Adams and this tech team be the reason why Coach K's career is over, uh, I will uh, – I, I have to give him credit. Right? It, like I mentioned, like, this is what – it was like a – it was almost like a – I couldn't see, like, this happening to another team except Duke. Right. It was like, they just have the talent, they have the staff and they just have their, it, it was like one of those typical Duke performances where you're like, oh, the, you know, the witch is almost dead. And then yeah. just like every shot goes in every stop. And it's like, oh, geez, of course. Like, and so it just keeps going. And by the way, I told you this off air, they were slapping the floor <laughs> with a minute to go after playing an entire second half in a zone. Incredible. If you were slapping the floor, look, look, I, I'm, I'm looking at any, co- any coaches listening to this right now. If you were slapping the floor playing zone. You lose that game. You, yeah. you, you lose automatically. Automatically. You, if you, first of all, if you dare to slap the floor, you better be you playing slap man the, man. You can't slap the floor and man. No, 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 you can't. I'm saying, like, in general, it's already, like, weird because, like, usually, like, teams get beat. Like, when they slap the floor, they immediately, like, give up, like, a foul or something. But, like, if you slap the floor, you better be playing man defense. (laughs) Better be playing. And not just any man defense. We're talking, like, in your grill man defense. Straight straight up hard hedging those screens. Straight up, like, no layup. Like, no layups in the lane. Like, you better be playing man defense. I am not. be Chris Beard. You better. Exactly. In your pocket. Like I, I, that may, that may be the maddest about everything I saw yesterday was when I saw them slap the floor. Like they were playing, like they were D and up. It's like, no, you're guarding space. Calm down. You know, you know, I think I have an idea for Chris Beard next year. His okay. team needs to slap the floor more. <laughs> like just embrace the, like, embrace just the like, hate. yeah. Embrace them just being this like complete defensive culture and just be like, you know what? I don't care how many, how much talent we have on this team. You yeah. will slap this floor and you will play defense because I just don't think they really, they really understood what he was yeah. about this year. He says, no, you're going to slap the floor. Damn it. And we so are maybe an ugly team. Damn yes. It. <laughs> you will get made fun of if they score on you. So do not let them right. score. You will be on Twitter as a meme for a guy that slapped the floor and then let a guy blow by you. So that cannot happen. All right. So don't be that because we're slapping the floor. So exactly. you either, you either get blown by and you made a meme or you hold up. Hey, any coaches listening out there. That's a pretty good strategy here. I, I Kids swear, fear I getting swear. made, made fun of. Yeah. I swear. I swear to God. I, if I see another team slap the floor and they're playing zone defense, I will lose my mind. Oh my God. Yeah. So there, there, there you go. Um, I do feel like you bring, you brought up a funny point that this felt like a Duke, very Duke win. I imagine this is what it felt like in like the nineties when you were just like all these teams, just throwing great teams at them and somehow Duke wins on some right. ridiculous stuff, but yeah, a uh, great season for tech. Um, we won't spend too long on it, but yeah. Number seven in Ken Palm, they end the year just, mm-hmm. whew. Man, number one crazy. overall defense and number defense. one overall defense what a year all right uh let's quickly preview this texas ohio state women's game because mm-hmm. unfortunately it's not texas versus lsu but it is texas versus ohio state uh deservedly so ohio state beat lsu soundly and lsu is was hobbled so um yeah i i'm kind of concerned on one front 
because mm-hmm. Ohio State can shoot the ball. They mm-hmm. might have – they have a backcourt. Their backcourt can just shoot the lights out. They have one girl, and I don't remember her name, so I'm sorry. If, I, I should remember her name, but I think she was number 24, if I remember correctly. They LSU was face guarding her. It was, they were doing the old, like, J.J. Reddick, Steph Curry mm-hmm. type thing where, like, you can't catch the ball. And she right. did catch the ball, and she made three. I think she went four or five from three. Like, Ooh. it was the most beautiful stro- stroke in the women's games I've ever seen. Like, it, maybe just in basketball in general, but it was amazing. So, yeah, credit Ohio State. I think she shoots 47% from three on the year, 45% from three on the year. So, yeah, okay. stick Audrey Warren on her or somebody – I'm trying to think. I wouldn't stick I – wouldn't I, would, I wouldn't put Rory on her. I was about to say, no, I wouldn't put Rory on her. That's too much energy. But yeah, just put put someone on her. Don't let her catch the ball because she catches the ball. It's good. I mean, She's honestly, probably Joanne Allen Taylor. Joanne Allen Taylor. There you go. Yeah. I like that. I like that. But yeah, um, they they average making over eight threes per game. Ohio State does. They put up a lot of points. Um, they played a decent place. They have a five that is like six four and pretty pretty big mm-hmm. for for a five. And she stepped out and hit two threes against LSU. So yeah, they're gonna shoot a lot of threes. Um, I am kind of concerned because I look at this Texas team similar to how I looked at this LSU team mm-hmm. um, with a great, you know, great point guard, uh, Roy uh, Harmon, you know, don't shoot a ton of threes, but can make some and rely on their defense. And like I said, LSU was compromised with their starting two guard out. So I think Texas is in a, is in a better position to win this game, mm-hmm. but Ohio state can score the ball. They can score the ball. So that's that's going to be my my biggest thing is we're going to see can Texas take them out of their out of their system, take them out of rhythm. I don't have the stats up in front of me, but uh, that was my assessment of Ohio State and watching them in one game. Yeah, I wonder. To me, I wonder how I think this is going to come down to Texas not being um, not having one of those slumps on offense, Um, because I think. I, th- I don't, I don't want to say they'll be able to shut down Ohio state. Cause that's obviously not, it's going to be hard to shut them down, but if they can play them to like an average game and where Texas is giving up, you know, a little bit more than they're used to on defense. I think Texas has the firepower on offense to kind of make this a different, make the, make the difference. Um, if Rory Harmon continues to play the way she's been playing in the tournament, like I, I think Texas can win this game. Um, I, I do like what you mentioned about, the shooting for Ohio State, I think that's obviously going to be the biggest factor. But I think Rory Harmon, I mean, going back to the tournament, you know, uh, let me see, 16 points against Kansas State, 30 against Iowa State, 20 against Baylor, 11 and uh, 10 and 11 against Fairfield and Utah. Like, and in those same games, I believe she also had uh, 11 assists, eight assists, five assists. Like, you know, she's 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 back to her early season form. And I think she's going to be the big key in this one. Um, if they can just find, if she can kind of get in the lane and help create, I think this is this game is is could be theirs for the taking. Um, I think that LSE was the worst matchup for Texas, so I think that although Ohio State's not going to be a cakewalk, I think they definitely would have preferred this game because I think it's easier for them to prepare for more perimeter oriented teams. Yeah, um, versus the point. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just thinking no, about this while you while you were talking. Uh, because we have seen them beat Iowa State, right, mm-hmm. multiple times. Uh, oh. and I th- I think from a perimeter perspective, they they do a good job against perimeter teams. Um, so yeah, I do want to say that building off of your thing, and also it's number twenty four for Ohio State. 
um, Vic, if you're listening to this, 24, don't let her catch the ball. If you haven't watched film yet, I watched film for you. All right, just give me a call, all right? There you go. Uh, I think it's, uh, no, uh, I'm trying to find her name right now. I have it right here. Uh, Taylor Mixell. Yes, Taylor Mixell. And she is shooting 47% from three. I told you. I told you. That bro. is stupid. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I definitely say that's the one to guard. Uh, almost eight attempts per game. Oh, my God. Ripped my heart out. I will gladly face guard her for the whole game. Yeah, I, I won't care. Like JC Sheldon, who's a JC Sheldon could go off for 30, and I won't care. Yeah. It's like as long as as long as she doesn't get 20, uh Mixel doesn't get 20. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Yeah, I will gladly face guard her. <laughs> I just want you to see her her shot when yeah, when she and it's just it's pure. It's pure, it's pure, pure. She hit one like kind of turning, like coming off a down screen and mm-hmm. just like kind of like in the like her feet weren't completely set yet. And she just uh-huh. like turned and hit. Ooh, I was like, yeah, this, she See, one, one, one of my, one of my simple basketball pleasures is like a good jump shot form. Like that is like, there are very few things I like watching more than like the pure, than the pure form. Like JJ Reddick's one of my favorite players ever. Um, just because like I used to, you know, in college at the rec, I would always like, just try to see if I could mimic, mimic that mm. perfect, perfect form. <laughs> he could not. I could not. <laughs> you could not. Uh, Texas offense, though, like you said, has been clicking a lot more, especially with Rory recently. So that gives me that gives me hope that they'll be able to, even if Ohio State does get loose, they'll be able yeah. to shut them down. But I like your point of their defense should be should be able to slow them down. Oh, I'm watching video of the shooting right. Oh my god, that that is beautiful. Send it to me. What? Why? Why, why are you hogging it? What is this? <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> How are you doing this? <laughs> um. See, if yeah. I was in college, I'd be trying to mimic this form right now. Right. <laughs> like, I'd be like, I got to shoot like Taylor Mixel. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we'll see her. Uh, JC Sheldon is, is there, is our guard point guard. And she kind of runs the offense a lot for them. Yeah. Oh man. You looked up her highlights and everything on here. Her versus yeah, I, was, Clark. I was curious. I was like, I, I told you, dude, shooting form is my thing. I will glad, like if yeah, I ever Rashid. become a coach, I will be the worst coach ever. Cause I'm just, I'm just going to be harping on my guys shooting form. Like, Look how we won't play defense. Release. We won't play anything else. We're just going to make sure everybody's shooting form looks beautiful. Look how quick that release is. It's Oop. so nice, isn't it? <laughs> yep. So Anybody who's anybody who's listening, go look up this shooting form because this is gorgeous. First team all Big Ten. Yeah. yeah this is going to make for terrible podcasting. I'm just going to sit here and, and listen to this. <laughs> I'm just going to watch this for a bit. Um, okay. I think that's all we got. Uh, previewed everything. This is it. This is the final run here. We got Texas tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing to go to the Elite Eight, and who they'll play Stanford most likely, I believe, in the Elite Eight or yeah, in the Elite Eight if they make it. Um, and then the men, uh, like we said, we have Houston versus Arizona on Saturday, so we'll have a podcast up after that probably as well. Um, this is this is it. This is the home stretch here. Hopefully, both of them can survive another game, and if Houston makes the Final Four, oh my goodness, I'm I'm breaking something. Something's getting broken. That's all I know. All right. Well, that's all we have for y'all today. We appreciate y'all joining us. You can follow Ish on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. And you can follow Dave Campbell's text basketball at DCT basketball. Um, you can check out the content at uh, textbasketball.com. And yeah, uh, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. We appreciate y'all for joining us. And we will talk to y'all later.